you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to John chapter 8. John 8, as we continue our sermon series in this incredible gospel of John, but it's really beyond that. We're looking to find out who is this Jesus, uh, Jesus in his own words. We're going to let him talk, his words talk, for him to describe who he is. And what we're going to use are these I am statements that we find, uh, the I am statements uh, in the gospel of John, things like, before Abraham was, I am. We've looked at that, uh, that I am the bread of life. And this week we're going to look at, I am the light of the world. And I got to tell you, every week I get tremendously excited. God, this is so good. This is so rich. This is so deep. This is so meaningful. And you realize, wow, what he's saying has such ripple effects all through scripture and beyond all through my life. You know, the hardest thing is, I have a little bit of time to try to tell you about I am the light. And let me just tell you, we're not going to hardly even scrape the surface. But may God come and speak powerfully to all of us. Because again, we need his light. We have a tendency to move toward the darkness. And there's still a lot of darkness in this life, um, in this world. And may he come and shine brightly for his glory. A friend of ours who lived here moved away. She and her family moved up to the panhandle. And, and as is the custom, when you have loved ones who move away, eventually uh, they have visitors. They'll come back and, and try to spend some time with them. And so uh, some other friends of ours went up to the panhandle, went up to see them and uh, enjoyed their fellowship. And while they were there, uh, while they were sleeping, uh, there was a storm that came through and it knocked out all of the power in the house. And when the, the, uh, uh, the couple woke up in strange surroundings, in the dark, uh, they didn't realize the power was out. So the woman wakes up first and she goes and she turns on the light by the bed and it doesn't come on. So she walks in the dark, trying to feel her way very, very uh, gingerly, you know, not sure where she is, wanting to get there, gets to a light switch and flips on the light switch and she's still in the dark. And then she starts to realize and it starts to make sense and she, she comes to the conclusion, I'm blind. <laughs> she thought she lost her sight in the night. And you know, she tried to turn on a couple of lights now and it's still pitch black and she can't, see anything. And so she, she goes and she wakes up her husband and says, honey, honey, I've lost my sight. I'm blind. Well, honey, I, I think that the power went out. <laughs> like, oh, you see, without light, without light, we can't see. I mean, there's a profound statement that your pastor just made, right? Without light, if we'd killed the lights right here, we couldn't see. We couldn't see uh, each other unless there was some light that was coming in. Uh, you need light to see around us. Well, when, you, when people don't see rightly, you say that they're in the dark, right? Uh, or maybe even sometimes you, you've said that, hey, I'm in the dark about this. Can you shed some light on this situation? Can you shed some light on, on what is happening? Or can you shed some light on this person? There's always been the need to shed light on Jesus, although he is the light of the world. I mean, actually, it's his light we, we see, but... There's always been a confusion. There's always been a confusion. In Jesus' day, in Jesus' day, they, they would argue with, who, who is this? I mean, can you shed some light on who Jesus really is? 
Can you shed some light? Is, is he the, the Christ? Is he a, a prophet? Uh, uh, is he a good teacher? Can you shed some light, please, on who this Jesus is? We're trying to figure him out. Well, there's where we are right now. We're trying to shed light on who Jesus is uh, using the I am statements. We're letting him turn on the lights. We're letting him use his own words to describe who he is. And according to this, this is amazing. Because shedding light on Jesus is more than just trying to figure out who he is. Stick with me on this. Shedding light on Jesus or letting the light shine on Jesus is is more, if there could be more, than just figuring out who is this Jesus. Because according to the Bible, that when we see him in the proper light, we see everything else in his proper light. That you won't see anything rightly. You won't see yourself, you won't see this world, you won't see the Bible, you won't see anything rightly until you see Jesus rightly. He is everything. We won't understand who God is until he is God. Jesus is a part of the triune God. We won't, again, understand our world. It was interesting, uh, um, my... My son, JP, just got back from some training in Philadelphia and I think for the first time went to a casino with some friends and uh, had, had an experience in a casino. And I said, if you want anything, you got to tie 20% just to make sure, right? Um, he, he went with a limited amount of money, thank the Lord, lost it all, uh, thank the Lord, hopefully won't go back there. But it's interesting, he's there with his friends and their new friends he made and he just realized, you know, he looked around and said, this is so sad. It was in Philadelphia. This is so sad because... Uh, all these people, they, they seem desperate. And so he says to his, he says to those around him, says, I mean, isn't this kind of pathetic and sad? Like, what are you talking about? This is great. This is fun. You know, we're, we're gambling. And sometimes in that light, I said, JP, that's the light of Christ. In that light, you see light. And in, in, in that light, you can see the world the way it is. And in the midst of uh, Jesus' ministry, he's going to use this I am statement. Right for this? He's going to say, I am the light of the world. I'm it. He's the one who's going to shed light into all the darkness of the world. And in him, we're going to see all things. I love what Psalm 36, 9 says. And by the way, I got to tell you this. It's just incredible. As I read through the Bible, I so often find exactly what I'm reading and just studying is about what I'm about ready to preach on. And what what I'm finding out, just connecting the dots. You know, this is a great story. This, isn't, this is God's word, and it is glorious, and it is beautiful. But Psalm 36, 9, I was just again there this week. It says this, for with you, and it's going to point to Jesus, for with you is the fountain of life. This is Jesus. In your light, do we see light? That's cool, isn't it? In your light, do we see light? It's basically saying, because you have a light that shines, your light allows every other light to be understood and to be seen. Okay, in your bulletins, you're going to find, uh, as we turn into our, our Bibles to John chapter 8, in your bulletin, you're going to find a long passage of Scripture that I was planning on reading this morning to you. It's great. It really sets the context of how Jesus says this, and it really gives a, a full, more detail. But I just felt glad to give you this one verse, and we'll jump into it. So let me encourage you to do this. Don't, don't throw away the bulletin. Uh, we're going to refer to this and, and maybe go back even today while it's fresh and, and look at the context of what Jesus was saying because it really, it starts in chapter 7, well, throughout the Bible, um, and it goes through chapter 8. 
But we're just going to look at these one I am statement in verse 12. So hear the word of the Lord. John chapter 8 verse 12 says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let us pray. Father God, in your light do we see light. And without your light, we we don't see anything. We don't see anything rightly. So what is very clear is that we need the light of Christ. We need the illumination of the Holy Spirit to shine to shine on your word and to shine on a broken sinner like me. I know this for sure. This beloved congregation doesn't need anything of my words. They need everything of your words, the living word. So would you come and would you speak and would you give us ears to to hear and would you shine your truth into our minds and so that we can understand and God, may may your light penetrate the darkness of our hearts and our unbelief so that we can, we can embrace Jesus as the light of the world and the light of our lives. And, and God, would you shine in a way that, that our feet will walk in a manner worthy of your name, that we would walk in a path that's proper as children of light. And God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and, and contain the good news of the gospel... Would you use those things to, to make us more like your son, our Savior, Jesus? And, and it's in his holy and, and matchless name that we pray. Amen. You'll find an outline for you in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along in, with me. And the first thing we see this is Jesus, the light of the world. Well, he's the light that enables us to see. And we're going to see he enables us to see God. He enables us to see God's story. He enables us to see the world. He enables us to see ourselves. But for us to understand this, this, I am the light of the world, we need to shed light on the context of the statement. Shed light of what was going on. In chapter seven, uh, in chapter seven, where this is linked to, uh, it's, it's, a t- it's a big festival time. It's party time in Jerusalem. I mean, it's party time for a week. Think of Thanksgiving at our celebrations, but think of it being a, a week long. It's the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles is what's going on. And, and it's a time uh, for the Israelites, uh, the Jewish people to remember, to remember their story, to remember the bondage in Egypt, to remember that God delivered them. It was to remember that they spent 40 years as a people meandering through the wilderness and how God provided them bread, the manna, last week's sermon, and how God provided for them uh, uh, water from rocks, uh, how, how God has just led them with a pillar uh, of fire by night, this, this incredible light, and how he led them by a cloud during the day, how God was with them. And it was to remind them, because you know what? We forget, don't we? I mean, how often have you forgotten what God has done for you? How often has something happened to you where you say, oh my goodness, this has changed my life forever. I will never live the same again. And then find yourself back in the same routines, right? And so God, God is, is realizing that we, we tend to forget that he gives us these things to remember. And so they had this feast. They had this week-long feast to, to celebrate. And they said this about it. You ready for this? 
especially on the greatest day, the last day, they would dance all night long. I mean, all night long. Was, was, it was like the party didn't stop because they were in a promised land because, because they, were, they, were, they were blessed. And it's interesting, even while they were in what was called the promised land, they were still told to remember. So here's how they remember. They would go and they, they'd set up these temporary booths, right? They set up these, like, these little tents because their forefathers were in tents in the wilderness. And they wanted to get the feel. They wanted to know how it felt. Like. So they all went camping. It's a huge camp out. And they all went and they brought these tents and they set them up and they wanted to get the whole flavor for what was going on in this week-long celebration of remembering what God has done and remembering how God provided for them in the wilderness. And during this feast, what I love about the Gospel of John, it tells us that throughout uh, chapter 7, the question is repeatedly being asked, hey, who is this Jesus? It's almost like we're getting these sidebar conversations. Like, hey, do you think that he might be the Christ? And they start arguing. They start looking at scripture. Well, isn't he from Galilee? And isn't the Christ supposed to come from Bethlehem? There was some confusion that he was actually born there. And then there's some other dialogue saying, well, well, Moses told us that there was going to be a prophet that was going to come. It's Deuteronomy 18. And you think he's a prophet was to come? Or is he the Christ? Who is this guy? And they were all saying, will you shed some light? Can, can we shed some light on who this Christ is, who this Jesus is? Well, it's probably important for us to also get the context that during this feast, they, they took these, uh, uh, these huge vats of water and they would pour them on an altar. And that Jesus would see these huge water being poured out. And he would say this, hey, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. And out of me will flow living water if anyone thirsts. He's, he's using the imagery. He's standing in the temple. He's looking at everything that's going on. He's saying, hey, by the way, all these things are pointing to me. Hello. The really cool thing about this is they say that there was four really large candelabras. I mean, huge. In the women's court of the temple. And they lit them during this, this week. And apparently when they lit them, it lit up the entire temple. It was, it was like one of those lights that you can see that from far away, that you know that there's a party going on, you know that there's something happening. And so the whole week, all of Jerusalem would see these lights. All of Jerusalem. And when they saw the lights, they would be reminded, oh yeah, God, God led us in the wilderness. It was really dark in the wilderness. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in like away from the city and, and it's really, really dark? And so God led them, according to scripture, through the wilderness, right for this, with a pillar of fire. And so they light these lamps, like, oh man, we're going to dance all night long because God led us out. It was incredible. And Jesus looks at the lights, especially probably when they were extinguished in the last day and says, by the way, I am the light of the world. I'm it. I'm the one that all these things have pointed to, all this water. I'm the rock that true living water comes out of. I am the light of the the world. And then he starts to say, let me shed light on on not just this feast. Let me shed light on the entire Bible story. There's there's so much more. It all pointed to him. I mean, it all pointed to him that, that he was the one that was going to truly lead his people out of the wilderness to the promised land. Did you hear that? What were they celebrating? Leaving slavery, going to the promised land. He's the one... I'm the one who's going to lead you out of true slavery of sin and death. I'm the one who's going to lead you to the true promised land. He's standing in the middle of the temple, and guess what he is? He's the true temple. 
He's in the midst of them saying, listen, all these things are shadows. I'm the substance. Hello. All these things are signs. I'm the reality. All these things are pointing to me. It's even beyond, it's even beyond the, the, the feast of booths. It's the whole Bible story. How does Genesis begin? What's the first thing he creates? Light, right? And, and, and light has come and he separates the darkness from the light. And at the end of the book, in the book of Revelation, at the end of Revelation, he says, in the new heavens and the earth, ready for this, there's not even a need for the sun. Why? Because he's there. He is truly the light. He lights everything up. It's incredible. But here's what we got to realize, and this is very scary for us religious people. These folks were following prescribed traditions to remind them of a story. But their traditions didn't point to Jesus. And they missed it. And their traditions were no good. Their traditions were worthless. Because it really didn't find its meaning in Jesus. And we got to, as a church, realize that any tradition we have, anything we do, should point to him, the light of the world, right? And, and, and I tell you, we love our traditions. We, we love our Thanksgivings or whatever traditions we have. And they love, they danced all night long but they would dance all night long next to the one who would give them life and forgiveness and meaning and miss it all. Jesus, again, was standing in the temple saying, hey, I'm it, I'm the true temple. I'm the true life. I'm the true one who's gonna lead you home. I'm the living water. It would be kind of like this. Walt Disney, standing in the middle of Walt Disney World, saying, I'm the one who created this world this came out of my imagination. I'm the one who created this world. And everybody's missing. I'm like, well, whatever. Who are you? I mean, I mean, not giving him and even noticing him. Maybe a better illustration is Donald Trump standing in Trump Towers saying, I'm the one who built this. And I, it's hard to put Jesus and Donald Trump together. I mean, I'm not trying to make a political statement here. They seem to be a little bit different on the humble scale, though, for sure, right? So trying to use an analogy... And I'm stretching it to the absolute breaking point. But can you imagine Trump standing in his own Trump plaza saying, I'm the one who designed, built this place. And everybody's like, I, whatever. And completely not knowing or recognizing him. Jesus was the one standing in the temple as the true temple, as a true meaning, and no one was recognizing him. He says, but I'm the light to really see what this means, to see what the Bible means, to see who God is. You need the light to be able to see. We need the light to do three things. Shine on the light to know who God is. Shine the light on know who God's story is. And the light on know who God's people are. Who God is. What God is teaching me the most probably through this series is this. Man, I'm loving it. But I'm realizing that Jesus, again, just does nothing apart from his father. And every time he's questioned and he's like, who are you and who's your father and, and who gave you this authority? He always links himself to his heavenly father. And he says this, it's very interesting. He goes, you do not know my father. You do not know the father in heaven. Why, why is that? Because you don't know me. And if you want to know who God is, you want to know, you, you, you find him through me. He's saying, I am the way to the father. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the father except by me. And so if you reject me, you're rejecting the father. And they want to say, no, 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 no. We, we, we have Abraham. We got this connection to God. He says, you don't understand. God so loved you that he gave me. 
God so loved you that he, he, he gave me and I put on flesh so that, so that we could see God himself in the flesh. If we don't see Jesus rightly, we don't see God rightly. Did you understand that? I mean, you, you, you can't know God, K-N-O-W, and, and not know, K-N-O-W, Jesus. You, you got to know him to know God because why he is part of, he is a part of the living, true God, the second person of the Trinity. And he is God himself, God in the flesh. We don't see, know God unless the spirit that Christ has given to us allows us to see God. Paul will say it this way. If you have your Bibles, maybe you want to look at this passage or mark it down. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 4 through 6. It says this. In their case, those who don't believe, the God of this age, in every age, the God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers. There's a, there's a spiritual blindness that unbelievers have to keep them from seeing the light the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. If you don't see the gospel, if you don't see Jesus, you don't see the glory of God. And there's a veil, there's a blindness that unbelief has. And that's what the God of this age has done. Verse five, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. We ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And I love verse six, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You want to see the beauty of God? Look at Jesus' face by faith. You want to know who God is? And, And oftentimes people will say, you know, the God of the Old Testament, he's so mean, he's so cruel, he's so angry. And the God of the New Testament, he's so, he's so good, he's so nice, he's so gracious. It's the same God. It's the, God of the, it's the God of the Old Testament, the Father who sends the Son, because why? He's merciful and loving. And if we don't, the only way we're ever going to see God for who he is, is to see Jesus. After the Discovering Orangewood class last Sunday night, was our, we wrapped it up, and there was a, a high school student that was in the class, and he came up to me and patiently waited uh, for his turn to say something to me. And he asked me, he wanted to say, do you believe uh, that the God of Islam is the same as the God of Christianity. And I knew where he was going because I knew he wanted to say that we can find roots together, uh, that they would claim Abraham and, 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 and really Ishmael as, as their father. And that the story in the Old Testament uh, kind of could weave together somewhat. And I, I knew that I was kind of on trial, right? This young little whippersnapper. I said, no. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way of knowing who God is. He's the light of the world. Let me tell you, do you get it? You'll never know God. And Jesus is God in flesh. You'll never know God the Father without knowing God the Son. So not only does Jesus, in an incredible way, show us who God is, but he also sheds light on the story of God, God's story. And he's basically saying this. This is incredible. This Bible, this story, I'm the story, Jesus says. I'm the hero, I'm the champion, I'm the savior. He doesn't say it in a way that's, that's not humble, it is. But if it's not the truth, he's got, he, he, he would be wrong not to say it. He's basically saying, there is a way to the promised land, and it's, it's a whole different thing than this Jerusalem. It's a new Jerusalem. 
And I'm the way there. I'm the light that shines in the darkness. I'm the only way. In Luke 24, there's a story that many will be reading in the coming weeks because of the Easter resurrection hope. In Luke 24, the very last chapter of the Gospel of Luke, uh, there's a story, The Road to Emmaus. You've probably heard it. I'm actually preaching at a church tonight called Emmaus. Um, and Jesus is walking along the road. Actually, there's two guys walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, and they were all bummed out. They thought Jesus was the Messiah. They had placed some hope in him, uh, and, and, and yet he was crucified and killed. As a matter of fact, they even heard that he might still be around because they went to the tomb and no one found him. But they were confused because does, do messiahs die? Does God send his son to, to, to be crucified on the cross? And although he told them that I must suffer and die, and although he told them that I got to pay the price for, for sins, they didn't get it. And so they were walking on this road and, and Jesus comes alongside of them and, and he says to them, well, hey, why, why are you guys, what are you fellows down? What are you guys upset about? Like, what are you? Who are you? Where are you been, bro? I mean, we're all down because we thought Jesus might be this Messiah, and, but they killed him. They crucified him. And Jesus, man, I wish I was there. He walks alongside him and goes, let's start with Moses, the beginning of the Bible. and Let's go through the prophets. And let's go into the Psalms. And let me show you that all of this was written about a Messiah who had to suffer and die to set his people free. Let me show you that this whole story led to this. It says that their hearts were on fire when they heard him describe this. And eventually he says he would appear to the, uh, to the rest of the apostles and say, hey, guys, it's all written about me. You don't understand the Bible. You will not make sense of this until God sheds his light, Jesus, the light of the world, on God's word for us to understand it. Again, in his light, we see light. Not only do we understand God's story that's all about him, but God shines his light on his people that we know who we are, uh, see ourselves rightly. Once you see Jesus rightly, you'll see yourself rightly. And here's how you know if you've ever seen Jesus rightly. Your, your first reaction will be, I need to repent. I, I, I am, wow, I'm in the presence of holy. I'm in the presence of one who's truly righteous, and I'm not. I mean, Peter started following Jesus and, and started trying to figure out who this Jesus was. And, and it wasn't until I believed that there was this miraculous catch that he realized that, that Jesus had something way beyond the prophet's power, that this was the Christ, this was the Messiah. And in Luke chapter five, I think it's around 18, uh, he realizes who Jesus is. And here's what he says, ready for this? Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. I, I, I see you rightly. You are the Holy One of God. I mean, you are the pure one. I see you for who you are. And I see myself desperately in need of a Savior. Desperately in need of salvation. Desperately in need of forgiveness. If you haven't come to the point where you realize that you naturally, like me, are disqualified. The Bible calls us by nature, right, for this? Children of wrath, children of darkness by nature. If we don't see ourselves rightly, we don't see Jesus rightly. 
One of the questions we always ask our new members is, uh, hey, if you were to die tonight, um, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Yes or no? Or maybe. And if you said yes, tell us why. And it's a way for us to kind of find out. We, we don't know. I, I can't see your heart. I think you're great, but I can't see your heart. It's a way for us to know and what's your hope being built on? And a lot of times we hear like, you know, I'm trying to do good. I, I, I'm trying to, to love better. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I was baptized, I was religious, I was all this. And, and really, that's not the gospel. The good news of the gospel, listen to this, it's not what you do, it's not what I do. That's not good news, that's hard work. The good news of the gospel is what God does. And what God does through his son, Christ Jesus, he lived the life that we were supposed to live, died the death we deserved to die, was resurrected to give his life and life eternally. It's incredible good news. And all by his grace, he gives it to us as a gift. And when you see him rightly, you say, oh my goodness, I deserve to die. But one died for me. And that's really good news. We could be honest that we're messes. But God does his best work through the broken and the mess of who we are. And when we see Jesus rightly, we see ourselves rightly. And he says, says this. If you love Jesus, will you listen to these words? Because he wants to communicate to you out of 1 Peter 2.9 these things. He wants to tell you that you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, meaning that you represent him. Your life is a living sacrifice. You are a holy nation. By the way, this was taken right out of Exodus, the book of Exodus. Now at the end of the Bible, he's telling us Christians, that's really who we are. A people for his own possession that you may, why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who are we? We're the church. What is the church? Ecclesia, Greek meaning called out. We have been called out of darkness. We've been called into his marvelous light. This incredible love he's lavished on us. We are the ones who are called out of that and called to him so we can see him rightly and see ourselves rightly. It's the light that empowers us to grow. Light is needed for things to grow, is it not? What grows well in the dark? Not usually good things. Mold and fungi and nasty stuff that you need to have some really strong bleach or something to try to get out. You need light to grow, especially for plants. What do we call it? Photosynthesis. We need light to grow as well. We need the sunlight, the S-O-N light shining on us. Listen to the way the gospel of John begins. And you've probably heard these words. It's this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This is Jesus, by the way, he's eternal. And he was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. He's creator God. And without him, now anything has been made that was made. He's created all things. And in him was life. Life is in Jesus. And here's really cool. And the life was the light of men. And Jesus is the light of life. You will never be the person that God has created you to be until the light of Christ is shining in your life. And you will never have the light of Christ shining in your life until you're on your knees and you embrace him as your Lord and Savior. When that light comes and shines upon you, ready for this, he gives you life. And he gives you life abundantly. And he gives you life eternally. And he'll never take it away from you. You want to know how to live? Living is following after him. He is the light. Living is growing in him. Living is feeding on him. 
the light of the world. We need light to see. We need light to grow. And lastly, we need light to guide our paths. Jesus is that truth. He is the life. He is the way for us to, to, to live our lives. I love it because he's saying, he says again, think back to the temple. Hey, if you're in the wilderness and you're longing for the promised land, how many of that's us? We're in the wilderness longing for the promised land. I'm the way. I'm going to guide you there. Let me read you a little bit out of John, John 3. And I know I'm going to start in verse 16. You know this verse for sure. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Praise God. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him, believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. Here's what I want you to really hear. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their, their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. I think the biggest uh, personal aha I had this week was how much I love darkness. I mean, it's easy to preach on the light, right? And say, oh man, you gotta be in the light. It's gonna... It's going to guide you home. You got to be in the light. It's going to show you who you are. You got to be in the light. It's going to tell you the God story. But I, I had a, this Holy Spirit moment. It's like, man, do I love darkness or why? I mean, there's certain things that he's saying, I'm the light of the world. I'm the only way you're going to grow. So why in the world do I turn to the darkness to try to find life? Why in the world am I going to try to say, God, you can shine into these areas of my life. Would you please keep away from those? There's certain things that I think that maybe, I know I got life with you, but maybe, maybe what I'm really looking for is over here in the dark. And I find myself wandering there. And I believe you do too. And I believe for, for us who believe that want to cry out, help my unbelief. And for us who struggle with maybe some habitual things or just struggle with materialism or struggle with power or struggle with insecurity or struggle with different things in this life, find our ways often heading back to the darkness. And what are we looking for? Let's be honest. What are we looking for in the darkness? Something that will provide for us, something that grows in the dark that's going to be good for us. I mean, seriously, when I say it that way, don't we all want to say that's stupid? But aren't we prone to wonder? So let me ask you this. What, what darkness do you cherish? I mean, probably for many of us, you hear a sermon like this, say, yeah, 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 okay, I get it. But let me just push a little bit. What darkness do you cherish? What, what darkness do you look to to find something that Christ is not providing for you? I think our response needs to be repentance and belief. I mean, I think the core of it is we really don't believe that Jesus is enough. We really don't believe that the light of the world should shine in all of our lives. And how do we live our lives? Well, we got to repent and believe. 
we veer off course because we're crazy enough to think that there's something out there that will give us what we really need. Jesus uh, says to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5.8, For at one time you were darkness. <laughs> it doesn't even say at one time you walked in darkness. It doesn't say that one time darkness was around you. It says this, at one time you were darkness. The lights weren't on. You were dead without, without Jesus. It was dark. But now you are the light of the Lord. In Christ Jesus, he turned the light on. And here's what he says. Walk as children of light. He doesn't say this. Walk as children of light, so I'll turn the lights on. He doesn't say walk as children of life, so I'll start loving you. He doesn't say walk as children of life, so I I won't give up on you. He says, because I love you, because my son has died for you, because I've turned the lights on, because you are mine, because of that reality, now have the privilege of living your life, walking as a child of light. But let us ask the question, is that the best kind of walk we want? And let me encourage you, the life that you long for is truly still found in Jesus. It's truly found in in loving and obeying and pursuing hard after him. It's a life that should be guided by God's word. It says uh, in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. It's a life that should be guided by the Holy Spirit that illuminates uh, God's word to our minds and illuminates uh, the reality around us and guided by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God that has been sent by the Father and Son to help guide us home. Jesus is the light of the world. And without him, we are blind. Without him, there is a power failure. And only he can turn the lights on. How is it with you? Are you in the light? Are you darkness? If you're in the light... Are you walking as a child of light? Or are you still having these compartment of darkness that you think that might bring you light? Just rejoice that he loves you. And let's, let's confess the reality of our wandering. And let's walk in the light trusting him. Trusting him that as we do, we'll have fellowship with him. And we're going to find our way home. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you. For the first thing you do is creating light. And thank you that that light will never be extinguished. And there's going to be a day that there'll be no more darkness. And God, thank you for loving those who are so prone to the darkness. And so, so prone to turn back. Hoping that something will grow in the darkness that you don't provide. And God, I pray that your light would shine brightly in this church. Shine brightly in this pastor shine brightly in this congregation for each one here that we may rightly see who you are, our great God, who your word is. God, that we might rightly uh, be led to the promised land of fellowship with you face to face. That you would guide us home, that you would give us light to grow us to be more like Jesus. And God, thanks for being patient with us. I just feel like I gotta say again, I, I, I love darkness but I really want to love the light more. Would you help me do that? Would you help this congregation do that? Why? For your glory. Because Jesus is the light of the world. And those who follow him will not walk in darkness.
but will have everlasting light and life. We thank you for that reality in Christ's name. Amen.